2019. It's iHeart Asterisk New York, the podcast uh, where we live in New York, so we're qualified to talk about New York City. Yeah. Uh, my name is Halian. I'm Veronica Yarovsky. We're once again recording from the Hot Tub Time Machine uh, studios. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a peaceful, warm autumn evening. Uh, the trains were all weird, so I'm 30 minutes late. And we have a lot of content for you. Yeah, I mean, we've been away. I guess it's hard to say that we've been away since we've been once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're but on yeah. a solid three-week tempo. Yeah, that's true. Once but every three weeks. Yeah, a lot has happened since the last time we talked. And we have not talked to each other since the last time. No, this is we we purposefully decided to not talk to each other until we could record ourselves. Yes. Uh, should we just start with the news? I guess. Yeah, let's start with the news. What's on your mind, huh? Uh, let's talk with. Let's start with the thing that's taking 14th Street by storm. Oh yeah, which is HBO Succession. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. But it is on all the buses <laughs> going on up 14th Street at faster than usual speeds on weekdays. That's right. Uh, 14th Street is closed to through traffic, which is popularly referred to in the news as 14th Street has banned all cars, <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> I feel like that's probably the more bombastic way of uh, going about it. But you know what? Also... Probably a good misdirection for those drivers who would choose not to go down 14th Street at all. So probably a, a beneficial lie overall, yeah, I would say. A good lie. Uh, after lots of discussion and one lawsuit, uh, 14th Street... Uh, By a man who called himself the Rosa Parks <laughs> of parking. <laughs> That's Arthur Schwartz, uh, city villain. <laughs> <laughs> city villain. <laughs> Uh, who sued the city because he said that the closing down 14th Street would lead to chaos and apocalyptic uh, nightmare on 13th and 15th, which has not happened at all. Yes, as is a Mad Max Fury Road fan. I was <laughs> very disappointed. <laughs> Looking forward to the post-apocalypse on 14th Street. Right. <laughs> and I look forward to our future when our children are all taught uh, the story of Arthur Schwartz <laughs> as they're taught right after the, the section on Rosa Parks. <laughs> yes, exactly. They will go hand in hand. Uh, but yeah, so... What ended up really happening is that uh, vehicles cannot make left turns uh, on West Fort on Fourteenth mm -hmm. Street. Uh, they can only drive for a block uh, to drop off passengers uh, before they have to turn away, and every other. Uh, piece of the street is reserved for buses. That's right. And it's only in effect uh, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. between 3rd and 9th Avenue, which is the main parts of 14th Street. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's overall been very sensible. Bus speeds have increased, not dramatically. I think it's something like 10 minutes on average between 3rd and 9th. Which is not, not yeah. For a bus, uh, I think this was one of the slowest buses in the city. Yes. So uh, 10 minutes is definitely a great improvement. Yes. It's gotten more people to ride the bus also, which I think is an overall plus, given that yes. the bus ridership has fallen since 2015 very steadily. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it's, re it's also renewed the conversation about uh, taking the city back from cars. There have been lots of spicy 
hot takes, like we should ban all cars from Manhattan. Uh, there's been more nuanced takes, such as renewing the interest to also do the same thing for 34th Street, which was which they tried to do under Bloomberg, but then failed. And 42nd, I believe. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Both of which now also either have busways or about to have busways, which is also a, a, a piece of the solution. And apparently another benefit is that, well, I guess it's semi-related, is that they've legalized the use of cameras on buses to give out parking tickets. So if we have more buses roaming our streets, we can hand more parking tickets that we can then use the uh, windfall from to fund our <laughs> crumbling subway system. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, they've attached cameras to buses on 14th Street, right? Uh, so it's on the M15, which I believe runs 15. up uh, up first and down second, or I might be mistaking the I th- two. I think that's right. Uh, but yeah, so it goes on the east side, north and south. Yeah, and like in the first week of the pilot program, they captured 1. 1.2, what, 1,200? 1, sorry, 1,200 uh Take uh, parking violations, uh, but it's their drivers have a month of grace where they are just mailed warnings. I think instead I think of it's five. two months actually. Two months grace, but starting in December, no more grace periods. That's right. But they do, which I I think is probably smart. They do cap the n- maximum number of fines you can carry mm-hmm. to two hundred and fifty. So. That's probably good. You don't want to, like, if the person is in kind of dire straits, you don't want to keep piling on $50 tickets on them. Yeah, exactly. And it's also made, I think, bike traffic a lot safer. I think a lot of people have spoken up about how they feel safe again taking bikes on 14th Street, which I think used to be sort of very difficult. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I am scared of going on any non-protected bike lane, so I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, and they're also, as of today, it came out that they're thinking of also doing um, uh, a, a sort of bike-only traffic between City Hall and Bowling Green uh, down Broadway. So they'll be shutting off that part of uh, the city to uh, car traffic as well. That's pretty good. Can they do that from the Upper West Side to Times Square? <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. I would just take the bike to work. That would be nice. That would be fantastic. You've been biking a lot recently. Well, I've been biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, on weekends occasionally okay, uh cool. but yeah it's i mean if you're unafraid to do it i think it's definitely a you know a transport system that, that definitely gives you a new look on the city i would say yeah i yeah it really i yeah so it's kind of nice you kind of see things from a different perspective which is kind of cool and also you're driving yourself so there's no mm-hmm. you know traffic there's no subways that stop. Yeah, definitely. So you're always making progress. Exactly, you're always making progress. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, we should also point out that this is this has been a record year for bike fatalities. A sad cap to all this news. Yes. So it's good that the city is getting better about it. Well, I think that's the thing. It seems like they might be getting better about it in Manhattan, but it seems most like that a lot of the recent fatalities that I read about were in fairly common or rather like known to the public as dangerous intersections in Brooklyn and Queens Mm -hmm. where very little seems to be getting done. 
Yeah. I used to live off of Coney Island Boulevard. I don't know. Is it Avenue or Boulevard? In Brooklyn. And it's like a six lane street. Mm-hmm. And people drive there like they're on a freeway sometimes if they can. <laughs> uh, and uh, and there have been at least two that stemmed from like an intersection with that street. And nothing seems to be done there. Yeah. And it kind of sucks. And yeah, so I think it is still also largely uh, a class and social status issue too, because mm-hmm. it seems like, yeah, we're getting bike lanes on like 12th and 13th Street. Now all have protected bike lanes, but you're probably not going to get that in like some places in Coney Island. Yeah, that's you, true. Uh, so that kind of sucks. But they, and another. I guess, defeat to rich people. They threw out the lawsuit against the protected bike lane on Central Park West, too. Yes, I there heard about some, that. There was some, like, neighborhood association, I believe, that was yes. suing against that, and it was thrown out. Yes, the, the judges in, in the city have been doing a great job. Another one got thrown out about Morris Park Ave in Bronx, where there's also a record number of fatalities mm-hmm. on the road. I think a child got hit, like, this year. Oh, it's God. insane. It's insane that it takes multiple people to die for action to be taken. Yeah, I oh there was one uh there was an accident in the Bronx. I think it was just drunk driving, but mm. where this kid who did not have a driver's license at all was driving drunk and like pinned this mother and child or maybe one of them to the wall. Uh. Like he just somehow was able to jump the curb and and basically, I mean, they died. But the kid just got to go home, mm. <laughs> like, or he was released, and it was not clear. Even I think that's also a recurring theme with all these accidents is that it seems like the driver, as long as you stay on the scene, you're probably not going to see jail time at all, no matter like yeah what whether you were at fault or not. Which seems insane. Yeah, the rules are heavily biased uh, uh, on the on the side of the driver. I think there's like a point system, and it's very difficult to earn the number of points it takes to to actually, lose a license. Yeah, but I I would think that you know it would be a criminal case if you murder someone, even if it's manslaughter. It's still criminal. Yes, and but, it seems like no one actually gets prosecuted for those. Yes, but I think it's something like you have to commit two different kinds of crimes at once for it to count up to like a above like a misdemeanor. Mm. So usually drivers don't get prosecuted at all. That's insane. I think it's insane too. Yeah, that's the thing which when whenever I drive in the city, I also see the opposite side of, you know, pedestrians being idiots. And, you know, jaywalking, doing shit like jumping into the street as you're driving. And I sometimes when I get super frustrated, like start yelling, like, you know, it's very hard for a driver to actually be convicted of doing anything to you. I feel like people should be more scared crossing the street, I guess is my point. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, when it's a human... up against like a multi-ton machine obviously the machine is gonna win and the drivers should be way more careful than pedestrians but also you know if you care for your life you should 
also just be careful when crossing the street. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely be careful. Uh, I also read something crazy that, like, a car at 45 miles per hour has, like, a 95% chance of killing someone if it makes impact. Jesus. But if it's 25 miles per hour, it's it, it cuts down by half. It's, like, wow. way safer. Like, the it doesn't go up, like, it goes up very dramatically in a very short amount of time. Mm, so like putting that's that that was the mo- the motivation behind the uh speed limits that they put on all the long boulevards in Brooklyn like Eastern Parkway went from 45 to 25. Oh really? And I had multiple Lyft drivers complain to me about it on the way to the airport. <laughs> and I very politely just nodded and I was like, "Yes, it must be frustrating." I mean, I can see it being frustrating for sure, but yeah, if that is I mean, no one is actually going to drive the 25, but if at least you yeah. anchor it at 25, then maybe a person would speed to 35 as opposed to like 55 or 60. Yeah. So, you know. That's cool. That's how it is. Also, I'm just now noticing the lamp that I got you is angled on this little uh, drawer or this. Yeah, we, we actually use here. it. Very cool. How- I'm pleased as punch. Yeah, to draw a picture to the listener, it looks like a green version of Luxo Jr., the Pixar mascot. <laughs> it's a very cute lamp. Do you want to talk about uh, Andy Byford's yes. uh, oh. on resignation? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Apparently he was on vacation and Cuomo decided to take credit for an initiative that uh, I think it's it has like such a dumb thick of it name of an initiative, which is like safe, save, safe seconds. Yes, it's like it's something Armando Iannucci would have come up with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the idea of it is that. Uh, they sort of slowly uh, began uh, raising the speed limits on certain uh, tracks, uh, subway tracks, or rather between certain stations. Uh, and uh, and that, you know, people liking it, obviously. Yep. And Cuomo wanted to take credit for it while Andy Byford was on vacation. And that is the alleged reason behind Yes. Uh, why he attended his resignation letter. Um, and then I guess he was convinced. Hopefully he got something for it. You yes. know, I'm hoping he got like some concession from Cuomo because, I mean, I know he's my governor and all and can do no wrong, but also he's probably a very difficult person to work with. He certainly, sound, he certainly sounds like a very difficult person. He sort of has that... Uh, you sort of hear a lot of times just from like the 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 state legislature beat news, like for the, in the tabloids, that something will not pass, and then Andy uh, Andrew Cuomo will come in, and then he'll strike a deal, and then it will pass, or like a bill that's about to pass will be on this like uh, uh, will get sh- uh, shit on by An- Andrew Cuomo because he's asking for like a budget change or something. Uh-huh. He seems to be the ideal example, like a weakened example of the power broker. Uh, that right. like Robert Harrell wrote about. I think he's definitely a very competent politician. And I think if he happens to be on a side of a cause you care about, mm-hmm. I think he's pro- he's like a very beneficial guy to be, to have on your side. Because I think he would ram legislation through however he can. Yes. But I can certainly see how, it seems like Byford 
uh, and the MTA is trying to do a thing where they're like a slow and steady approach. Yes. And that probably does not jibe well with the way he seems to want to be doing things, as evidenced by the weird elf shutdown yes. saga. Um, so, yeah, so uh, by for tan- tendered in his resignation, he untendered it, and everyone pretended that nothing happened. Yes. <laughs> it was only leaked, I think, that he re- resigned. The MTA put out a press release very quickly afterwards, being like, Andy Byford's extremely happy with his job. Yeah, <laughs> which is like the wrongest thing you could pro- possibly say after... He- yes. You know, after someone actually, you don't tender a resignation. If you don't. <laughs> you're astoundingly happy at your job. <laughs> I just want to be able to get hired again. And this is a fantastic job. And that's why I'm resigning. Yeah. Um, Andrew Cuomo is, I think, the definition of a glory hog. There was a thing happening when le- uh, marijuana was being delegalized where his office held up the bill. Decriminalized, sorry. Yeah. Uh, delegalized, <laughs> delocated, like the adults. Uh, where his office was holding up the bill because they they were haggling over like a small budgetary thing, like he was he wanted more money somewhere, and then it was held up for like a month, and then as soon as they passed it, and he uh, Andrew Cuomo came out and took credit for it, <laughs> like he's like, look what my office did. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, Jesus. <laughs> that seems to be like a very perpetual thing with him. Yeah, which I would hope. You know, the public is smarter than, like, I mean, hopefully the public sees through that and is like, oh, okay, he just needs to, like, bluster. Yeah. So let's, like, indulge that as long as we also get what we want. But, I mean, who knows? But, I mean, I'm glad Andy Byford is still there. Yes. I also, as part of that article, it also said that he takes the bus to work, which I think is very nice. It's very endearing. I bet Cuomo does not take the bus to work. No. There was a thing in the news about how de Blasio took a limo for a one-stop subway ride, like from City Hall to somewhere. Oh, well, that's... (laughs) De Blasio is is such a disappointment. He is. He really is. Like, I remember when he was running for mayor initially and how he was supposed to be the sort of the progressive hope of New York City... And, I mean, it seems like he's almost, like, he's been as progressive as Bloomberg, if not less so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bloomberg was the stop and first administration. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, I can, like, could you off the top of your head, like, point to, like, a piece of progressive legislation that happened in New York as a result of de Blasio? Uh, I actually did some research as part of this other thing. Uh, and I, I wrote down like the things de Blasio has done. He's done some things, but I think his administration has largely been one of mediocrity. He's Please. been unable to control the story around the subway, for example. His office could do a lot better job pointing out that the governor's in charge, not him. Yes. Yeah. But that's not an achievement. That's no. what... <laughs> It's do you, do you have it handy? Can you enlighten me on things? Uh, and uh, De Blasio's primary achievement probably is, uh, are ending 9/11 surveillance for Muslims, universal pre-K for the city, which is now being expanded to a like universal pre-pre-K, I think too. Oh, that's nice. Uh, I think, and then he his next big thing: uh, de-escalation uh, training for p- police, uh, decriminalizing cannabis possession in the city, not in the state, obviously. 
body cameras for the police, and he not on the MTA, <laughs> not in the MTA, and his uh, his final thing that his administration is pushing for seems to be the ending of Rikers. Oh, which man. is something we wanted to talk about. Oh, segue alert. Segue alert. <laughs> All right. Do you want to introduce that? <laughs> but it, it should be pointed out that de Blasio is not an inspiring mayor. His uh, <laughs> approval rating is in the 30s, I think, currently. Oh, is that true? I mean, they, it always plummets when somebody runs for president, like in the city. There's like an anti-halo effect. I oh, guess. so does Mayor Pete, like, uh, is he like very unpopular in South Bend? I have uh, maybe <laughs> I I follow national politics in a much weaker level, but I think yeah, he probably also has a approval rating problem. Uh, Rikers, Rikers, that famous setting in Law, Law and Order SVU, <laughs> where, Interior uh, Rikers Island. The floors are filled with blood. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodied inmates <laughs> litter the floor. <laughs> I was I was doodling Law and Order Rikers for that joke, and I looked. I found the wiki where. Apparently, Brad Garrett played a guard at Rikers who oh, uh, like sexually assaulted five women before he then shot one of the main characters. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, Brad Garrett. Was that all in one episode or is this an arc? Uh, I think that might have been an arc. It definitely felt like a longer thing. Yeah. And my joke for that is, wow, everyone loves Raymond. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's why to, everyone loves Raymond. <laughs> Brad Garrett. Um, okay, Rikers Island uh, is a 7,000 capacity jail. It's named after uh, Richard Rikers uh, Island. The island is named after Richard Rikers, who was a fugitive slave trader in the early 19th century. Uh, <laughs> in case that makes you more endeared to the whole concept of Rikers Island. No. <laughs> no, <probably> not. <laughs> so just a lot of a lot. It of, like, sort of adds things. another like tone of like dark irony behind. Yes. The thing considering the, you know, the demographics of the population of Rikers. I know. It's terrible. Rikers Island has famously been called, uh, those are not prisons, those are cages. That's a famous quote. I wish I had the attribution here, but I don't. Uh, it's overcrowded. It should be, it, it's, it, what's funny is that they are now p- planning to build for smaller prisons around the city to replace Rikers, which we'll talk about in a second, but those four prisons uh, can, will only hold 3,300 people as opposed to 7,000. That's how overcrowded Riker is. By modern jail standards, we would be unable to <laughs> build a Rikers. We would need to build four, eight smaller Rikers to <laughs> match Rikers. Um, it's famously underfunded. It's, uh, it, it's, it has a horrible culture of abuse. Uh, uh, many people have died in solitary confinement. There's a famous case of a young man who stole a backpack, was sentenced, uh, was arrested, unable to afford bail, placed in Rikers, sent to solitary, left, and then committed suicide two months afterwards. Mm. It sparked this huge debate about closing Rikers, which is now culminating in an actual thing that's happening in city council. Uh, they are now trying to build four jails one in downtown brooklyn one in the queen subway yard that's very vague queens is huge i probably should have put the specific address down one by a police department tow pound in queens and then one by city hall so city hall sort of uh eating uh not demonstrating that it's chipping in also i suppose and it's supposed to cost eight billion dollars which is insane is that just the setting up of the new prisons or also the winding down of Rikers winding down transferring 7,000 transferring 
3,300 prisoners, uh, figuring out how what to do with the remainder, of course, winding down the city MA population, and mm-hmm. then to stretch in. A lot of criticism has been made about how this is sort of putting money into uh, the hands of people who we probably don't want to give money to, the people who build jails in the first place. Right. There seems to be a lot of cost and overhead that's unnecessary. And it yeah. sparked a lot of criticism on both sides. On one side, nobody wants 3,500 criminals to be released without um, some sort of process to handle them. On the other side, uh, the, pres- the prison abolition movement and a lot of the more um, probably reform-minded people are criticizing the plan for uh, being passed in pieces uh, in such a way that it might be possible that we get four new jails without actually even shutting down Rikers. Mm. And also that a lot of money is going to the people, going into the system rather than trying to fix the system. Right. And yeah. I think also like uh, there's a strong NIMBY element there too because mm-hmm. at, at least for the prison that's supposed to be sort of between City Hall and Chinatown, there was a lot of protests yes. about that site. I mean, yeah, no one wants a prison. Yeah. In a way, putting it on an island is almost like a perfect solution because y- you, but it's also not be- because we do need to understand what prisons are and yeah. what. So it's yeah. also a, uh, some, some people have pointed out it's also a logistical nightmare to transport prisoners from the prison to courthouses. It takes a long time and a lot of money. Yeah. And I think sort of the, one of the arguments also for placing, these new jails in parts of the city that are more populous and uh, central is that uh, the prisoners will get more visitation, uh, you know, and all that stuff. So it would not be sort of a nightmare island situation. Yeah. And so they will still feel more part of the community. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't really, I mean... I think yeah, it would shutting down Rikers is definitely the right thing to do here. I think so too. Like after all the nightmare things you hear about that and how just like being sent there even before you're convicted for, you know, something like not being able to afford bail can basically derail your entire existence seems unfair. Um, yeah, our bail system's horribly broken. We were talking about that before the podcast, but uh, we are one of the few cities where bail Bond, bail funds are enshrined into law. So we, as the city, have recognized that bail is set way too high. And the way we fix that is... bail is too damn hot. Bail is too damn high. That's what Jimmy <laughs> McMillan, wherever he is, is going to coin that. And so we've actually enshrined into the program a way... We've recognized it's too high, and we've, we refuse to fix it. We instead will rely on nonprofits to sort of uh, prop up that part of the system, which is also very broken. <sighs> yes. A lot of sad stuff around uh, Rikers Island, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole of uplift there. I'm sure, you know, whatever developer gets the contract uh, to redevelop Rikers Island is going to be... Rubbing his little paws together yes. tonight. Uh, oh, I guess speaking of uh, speculating <laughs> over real estate, <laughs> I was reading a delightful article in the Wall Street Journal about how because of the rent reforms that were passed um, in Albany over the summer. Uh, uh, some landlords who took huge loans uh, to speculate uh, over rent-stabilized buildings that they wanted to destabilize mm-hmm. 
are now instead in debt because they cannot evict their tenants. Which is joyous news. Which is joyous news because no one should be speculating about real estate. <laughs> it's my hot take, I yes, guess. That definitely is true. Um, yeah. But yeah, so th- I guess that is an uplifting note that we can end this segment on. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about that, but I know that uh, real estate speculation is rampant. Um, it, it's also We've talked about before about the commercial real estate speculation, how it's led to like these horrible blocks on 23rd Street where nothing is happening and it's mm-hmm. essentially abandoned and become uh, sort of like a, a nexus for, I don't know, homeless people and just general like trash i think yes. uh so yeah so definitely already seeing the rent regulation laws doing their thing which is very helpful yeah now if they only actually pass the you know the vacant apartment vacancy tax <laughs> yes tax and, that would be delightful yes which is uh vacancy tax is the idea that if you don't if you have like a pied a tear or like you have a building in New York and you make above a certain amount, you will actually get taxed if you don't live there. And if you just use it to like rent it out or you just use it to not rent it out, you just use it to speculate, you just use it for Airbnbs maybe. Or to just park your wealth. Yes. As <laughs> like in 30 Rock when uh, Liz Lemon is looking for an apartment and then she's interrupted because uh, like uh, oil tycoon has just bought it for his motorcycles in the yeah, middle exactly. of the open house. Uh, it got passed in Vancouver, where it's doing very well. It's lowered the, it stabilized the rent rates, if not actually lowering it. Um, yes. So I think it would be a good thing for them to pass it. So let's do it, New York let's City. Let's do it, New York. Speaking about passing things, how did you vote early? I did not get to do it today, but it's on the list of things to do. We all got a voter's guide. We are all very excited. This year has five city charter amendments. Um, uh, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to? We can do them one by one. Do sure. you want to start going through them? Definitely. Uh, so the first one's the most exciting one. It's to institute ranked choice voting for the city's municipal elections, uh, which are three races, three citywide races, including public advocate, comptroller, and mayor, I think, and then all the city council seats, which are local to each neighborhood, and possibly the borough president as well. Um, Do you want to describe what ranked choice is? Yeah, so ranked choice, super fun. (laughs) It kind of, the best example you can uh, give, or that I can give, is the Oscars. So, you know how we've been getting uh, uh, winners such as the King's Speech? (laughs) Uh, in the Oscars, so that's due, like, unobjectionable movies, that is due largely to ranked choice. So how does it work is that instead of, uh, you know, picking one person, you rank your candidates. So... Uh, so basically it would be like, this is my top candidate, but I would also be okay with this guy and maybe this gal and whatever. Uh, and so... If there is no 50% winner, uh, voter getter uh, at after the first round, what ends up happening is that basically the everyone's 
votes kind of get restacked and you sort of you start getting in votes from those people a candidate would start getting votes from those who chose them as the second choice and so on and so forth until instead of reaching a clear winner you sort of get more of a consensus winner which means the least objectionable winner so the arguments for it are obviously that what i just said that like it's the person against whom like the fewest amount of people have objections uh whereas like i guess a negative uh to it is that someone who's extreme on either side and it could also be a positive Mm -hmm. is less likely to get elected because they probably have a smaller very vocal fierce uh, uh following as opposed to you know just like uh, I guess, like, approval across many demographics. Another positive for uh, ranked choice is that it actually encourages candidates to go everywhere. Yes. Uh, which is nice because now you actually want to be a person's second choice, too. So you actually do want to, you know, make an impression on as many people as possible. So overall, I would say we endorse this. Thumbs Definitely. up. Yes, and uh, hopefully we'll get more interesting uh, Tutti candidates out there instead of the yeah. ones that are just- Oh, yeah, so I guess another benefit is that you also can choose your favorite kooky candidate as number one, uh, knowing that you know you did your part and voted your conscience while also selecting at number two probably a more electable choice. Yes, uh, because it, uh, if you... If no candidate gets the majority in the first round, the least the candidate with the least number of votes gets eliminated, and then their uh, votes are reassigned to. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, it also prevents the very expensive uh, task of holding a second election right. in cases where there is no majority, which frequently uh, disenfranchises people who have jobs and can't just yes. get, take off work, or people who are in the military and can't don't have time to see the ballot. And, you know, just the general cost of putting on an election is quite expensive. (laughs) So, yeah. So, thumbs up for early vote, uh, for early voting, sorry, for for ranked choice. That's right. right. Proposal number two the civilian complaint review board <laughs> how do you want to do you want to talk about this sexy agency yeah sure wait let me lock into my phone uh yes uh so a yes vote in this amendment is for adding two members to the CCRB one appointed by the public advocate the public advocate who i call the public avocado sometimes in my tweets Aww. <laughs> uh and who's currently uh i don't know i think it's it's not is it jumaine williams i think it's jumaine williams i do not know this information no uh they're usually uh the person who then becomes the mayor sometimes they're, it's like the the vice mayor role sort oh, of okay because they get they're very uh, forward-facing in the public and people uh, will vote for them. And then the other one by Speaker of the Council. Uh, the CCRB is the board that reviews, uh, for example, uh, police conflict, right? Yes, yeah, so uh, it's bo- a public, non-civil servant uh, uh, board that's supposed to hold the police accountable. Yes, uh, so while... While this change doesn't dramatically change the role of the board or expand its powers, it does give the city a little more power in um, uh, in deciding what happens in those really uh, t- uh, like 
tension-filled cases. And it apparently actually adds some amount of accountability uh, for the police in a sense of they would actually have to justify why they went against uh, their uh, suggestions of the board if they choose to overrule them. Yes. Uh, So that's always good. Just, you know, having to explain your... uh, choices that's fun yeah and overall i think it's really fun that we get a say or scary in the city <laughs> charter which is sort of the constitution that makes up the city right it's more powerful than just voting on a referendum or just someone into office and it's cool that i think it's cool that the uh the charter commission that was formed in 2018 had uh essentially like pragmatic changes to offer nothing too controversial just small changes in favor yeah of uh, small step reforms. Sort of like the Andy Byford <laughs> of commissions. Yeah. Save, save. <laughs> save, save seconds. Uh, oh, God. Uh, number three, ethics. Oh, uh, boy. This is a real <laughs> mishmash of things. So this is actually, I'm going to say that this is one of the negative things about these ballot initiatives is that there's like, they do cram a lot of stuff yes. into each one of them. And like this one has like six bullet points. In yeah, it. <laughs> and like you kind of have to weigh like what is like you know you sort of like is it a net benefit or net loss? Yeah, kind of thing. So this one, uh, so basically, what is this? Oh yeah, so there's a conflict of interest board, and uh, and they would give two of the picks of the five members there to the public advocate and the city controller. Uh, those members are going to be barred from participating in political campaigns in the city. They would not be able to donate uh, more than $400 uh, per election cycle. Uh, and they also require by law to promote uh, opportunity for minority and women-owned businesses and uh, the city council would need to approve the city's corporate council, uh, wh- who is charged with representing interests of all city elected officials. Currently, only the mayor appoints this council. This is all I have for this. Um, yeah, uh, sensible. So, yeah, it's a lot of mishmash of things. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't really have any problems with all of these things, but... I mean, I can see it being kind of annoying to have, like, all, like, just understanding what you're actually voting for when you're, you know. Yes. This one almost seems personal. Like, it's like, there's, like, this guy at the office named, Theodore, and Theodore's (laughs) been doing all these things, and then then we're like, let's just pass some laws to stop Theodore from doing what he's doing. No, it is clearly, like, it's like... Okay, you said you were going to do this and you were not doing it. Okay, so I'm just going to pass a law where you have to do this. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really tells you what their inner office uh, squabbles are. Yeah. Uh, how do you want to talk about the city budget proposal? Sure. These last two are uh, probably less interesting. It's good that the commission ordered these in the interest <laughs> by interest level. This is a budget charter amendment. Uh, a yes vote is in favor of authorizing a rainy day fund. Yay. Yeah, for a rainy day uh, to set minimum public avocado and borough president budget based <laughs> on the 2020 fiscal year. Move the deadline for the mayor's revenue report from June 5th to April 25th. That, 
clearly screams of that thing we just yeah. mentioned and it's like yeah i'm gonna give you that report and it's like <laughs> but you're not doing it <laughs> okay now it's in the law you have to give the report we but. passed along <laughs> it'd be nice if we had this earlier uh set a deadline of 30 days for the mayor to submit changes to the city's financial plan requiring budget changes to the city council so sort of a uh, small logistical changes that all seem fine with or without no strong opinion one way but yeah. yeah i guess this podcast is a weak yes on this one as well i, I guess yeah. yeah they all seem fine to me they all seem like yeses really yeah uh and then land use uh, the very last one if yeah you take that yeah so apparently we have a uniform land use review procedure you lerp you lerp and uh so i this just makes them more easily available to the public uh, so that's nice. Uh, and, uh, you would also have to be posted on, uh, have to be post. It would also have to be posted online and also community boards will have extra time to review the applications before they go to the public. I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe this one is a no. Yeah, maybe. Like, the whole, like the extra review thing. I don't know. It's. It seems like it's giving more power to disorder, like land developers. Land, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I how I feel about this one. I don't know. But then again, I can't vote, so vote your conscience. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry that you can't vote. That actually should I feel like is bad. You're a resident of the city. You should be allowed a say. I think in San Francisco they do allow residents to vote. That's very nice. Which is nice. That's another city with um, ranked choice voting. I looked up some cities that had it. Oh, nice. Other I, other ones are Memphis, St. Paul's, um, and some other But not cities. Minneapolis? Minneapolis also, yes. I okay. Think so. <laughs> and Portland. Just St. Paul. Yeah. Oh, Portland. Okay. That's, yeah. that's not bad. We're company. joining a, a small, cool club of cities. And the state of Maine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maine. Portland, Maine. Sorry. That's what I meant. Oh. <laughs> Maine. So oh. probably Maine. I meant the state because they actually have it, I think, for a general election yes. as well. Um so yeah, that's all I Everyone have. Everyone go out and vote. For. This is the first year where we get two weeks of yes. early voting, which is a, a thing that passed last year as part of the um, uh, elect the city charter stuff that happened last year. So yeah, so look, it's things you vote for actually having an effect. Actually having an effect. Which you, is the best part about voting. Yeah. <laughs> if you doodle Dothamist early voting, you'll get a map and you'll see which location you should go to. You can't just go to any location. You yes. have to go to the one assigned to your uh, area, which is weirdly enough different from the actual voting day location because yes. there are fewer of them. Yeah, I think in Manhattan there are only nine. So, yes. uh, and I think, I think there are, the most are in Brooklyn I think anywhere except Staten Island is more locations than Manhattan. Definitely. But, you know, as you know, as it should be given the population differences. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, today, September 25th, was the first day of early voting. Very exciting. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully all those iPads worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last year, I, I had to early vote, and I had to travel all the way to uh, the Brooklyn City Hall, which is the only place where you could go, which is crazy because Brooklyn is huge. I conveniently live close to it. Yeah. I can't imagine someone who lives way far out 
and like East New York being able to go there. Yeah, that seems, but that, and that I guess was only because you were voting absentee. Is that why? Yeah, or, my okay. company had like a retreat on the day that Ooh. voting was happening. So we all took a trip to the city hall. So not only you get to live near Borough Hall, <laughs> you also get to go on fancy company retreats. I did. I got to go to Cabo where I had an okay time. Oh, and lost your son- your glasses to the sea. Yeah, the ocean took my glasses. <laughs> uh, it gave it back later. Someone found it on the beach. Which is nice. That is nice. I only have one small thing left for the podcast, which is that a Wegmans is opening up in Brooklyn Navy Yard, and people are concerned about the traffic it might create. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But they're overall, I think when I, so I went to college in the Midwest, and Wegmans was a very positive thing, because they're good to their employees and stuff. They so. are. I think people are looking forward to it. It's got parking. It's also by two buses. It also is by some subways. So I think it'll be overall fun. I don't know that it's by subways. It's, isn't it it's in the Navy? It's <laughs> by some subways. I feel like uh, the amount of things you carry you know, exponentially increases the <laughs> the <laughs> figurative distance between you and a subway stop. Yeah. But hopefully they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll have, maybe, you know, the Bill de Blasio's ferry, which is, I guess, another achievement of his. It is by the ferry, actually. Uh, it might be able to, you know, take some people. God. I'm actually excited to go. Maybe that could be another on-location episode we do. Definitely. We, we go visit a Wagmans. My Zoom recorder came, so we could start doing, like, backpack records where we just record uh, from my backpack. That would be really fun. Yeah. I'll bring like eight batteries. Because <laughs> it eats batteries, <laughs> That apparently. would be great. Uh, well, to wrap up, how do you have a New York moment uh, you would like to discuss and or recommend? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been really busy. I don't know of a New York moment off the top of my head. I did a transfer today from City Hall 4-5 to the Chambers 2-3, which is a very <laughs> sneaky transfer because you have to leave the station and walk on over. I walked into the wrong station because I walked to Chambers AC, which is actually a park place, not uh, Chambers 2-3. This is all very boring. Can I think People of a more... People love talking about their commute. People love talking about their commutes. I mean, you actually took the M14 bus, I think, during uh, the, 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 the through traffic off hours. Like, what's it saying? Yeah, it was not as... Uh... You exciting. Know, exciting since the traffic was there, so you, I could really only see. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I guess I have, maybe I have two. Oh, okay, great. Uh, so yeah, so the first one, I guess, is if you guys have not been to, uh, uh, oh, fuck, what, now I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, uh, oh, damn it. It's okay. We can cut this part out. No, I had a whole thing. Uh, oh, dang. Anyway, uh, fuck, what is the name of that place? I'm going to talk about my first thing then. Okay, uh, are you familiar with uh, Palmander Walk? Palmander Walk. No, I can't say I'm familiar with that. So, it's one of a series of sort of like private muse-like streets that are like hidden between avenue and city blocks in various parts of the city. So I guess the most famous one would be in uh, like the Washington Muse uh, right north of Washington Square Park, which is sort of like a kind of like a almost a pedestrian only area where it's sort of like a small alley street and there are like very 
well-kept buildings. They used to be mews uh, for horses, oh. but now they're very expensive houses. Uh, but there's actually also one uh, on like 95th Street in the Upper West Side. And uh, if you go there, you can sort of like look through the gate because they won't let you in there. Uh, and it looks like a very quaint little, like, village street. Oh, my God. In the middle of the Upper West Side. So I walked past it the other day because I read about it, and uh, I thought it was very, very cool. We saw some of those in London, I think, too. Yeah, so it's basically kind of like that, but it seems to be more of a hidden thing in New York. That's wonderful. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. I It inspired me to look uh, on Street Easy how expensive they are. <laughs> and and they are expensive. They are expensive. <laughs> Very good. Did, oh. you, did you figure out your second thing? Yes. National Sawdust is the name of a venue. Uh, it's in the uh, in Williamsburg. I've never been. And it was very, very nice. It has really good acoustics. Uh, I it's think a concert venue. It's, it's a club-ish. Club. It's sort of like a very... I imagine like if NPR had some sort of like a concert venue where they were recording things, it would be it. Like the acoustics are very good. It's kind of like chic a little bit, very clean and well-appointed. It's not like a club club, uh, but it was very nice to listen to music there. That's cool. So if you know of a band that plays there that you would like to see, do it. Go for it. Go for it. And also, I think if we're just going to start talking about cool shows, you have a sketch show coming up I that people should check out. I do have a sketch show coming up. Uh, it's on Wednesday, uh, September 30th, October 30th. Yes. We are all over the map with dates today. Yes. Uh, at the UCB and Hell's Kitchen, which is conveniently located on 42nd <laughs> Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. But maybe they... Uh, have the buses run faster by Wednesday, yes. and you could reach that destination on quickly <laughs> on the M42 bus. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. The sketches are kind of spooky because Halloween is the next day. So wow, boo, boo, <laughs> but don't say boo because that's there. You're heckling the. Yeah, don't don't say boo during the show. Yes, I mean unless you really feel like it. You know, we want. You know, honest, honest feedback. feedback. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Comedians love honest feedback. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all for the podcast. Um, um, don't sue us, LCD Sound System, and we'll be back in uh, three. To, that's the song we're using, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Yes. Uh, and we'll be back in three to four weeks, maybe, and hopefully sooner. <laughs> yeah, let's do sooner. Let's now that we can record from a backpack. Yeah, for you sure. You can expect episodes at any time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And thank you to all the listeners who reached out and uh, liked the first episode. That was very yeah, nice to hear. Yeah, it was very nice. Uh, let us know what you want us to talk about. Give us some honest feedback. Honest feedback. We love it. All right. Well, see you on the subway. <laughs> <laughs>